Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. God's a good God, isn't he? I want to do something that I do every time I go into a church. I believe it's important. People need to know that God heals today. God's not a hit and miss God. He's a God of healing. And we have had many people healed, not by Greg Bedell, but by the power of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost. One of the things that concerns me in the nation of Australia, and as I said, I do this every time I come to a church, I tell people that God heals from cancer. When people are told by doctors, you have cancer, it's like receiving a death warrant. God wants you to know that that's one of the things that he heals. The sad thing is, and I have taught at conferences alongside oncologists on cancer, the problem is the doctors say that 50% of Australians will come down with cancer or or be affected by cancer at one time in their life and 26% of Australians die of cancer. That is what I call a humongous situation. And some years ago the Lord said to me, I want you to write a book on the healing of cancer. Some of you have that, who's got that book? Can I just see your hand? People have got that book. Um, And uh, I know Margot, it's Margot isn't it? I've got to remember people's names. It's only been, what, 10 years? Or the last time we were here, we, we met you. But this is a book here. It's got seven testimonies of seven people healed of seven different kinds of cancers. And guess what? They got healed all different kinds of ways. God doesn't have one little long way. He says, you do it my way or else. God says, I want to fit into your faith plan. And so that's up the back. You might say, but I don't need this book because I don't have cancer. You're probably right there. Uh, but you're going to meet somebody. It's a wonderful thing to give to people. I want to share this morning on the subject of um, hearing the voice of the Lord. Um, uh, Let me just say this, as we travel around the nation, and Patsy said we've been around a while, um, we've been travelling and preaching for uh, for how many years? 52 years. Um, We celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary um, in a few months. And we were, I was preaching before we even got married. Uh, but as we travel, people are saying to me, God never talks to me. You stand up and you share in the word and, and you'll slip in a little testimony on how God has spoken to you over uh, a situation. Uh, but but I'm, I'm in a church. I've, I'm, I graduated a Bible school. I, I'm the deacon in the church or the elder in the church. And, and I can't remember once when God actually spoke to me personally. I want you to know that God wants to speak to you and God speaks to people who speak to him. Now we all speak to God in different ways, I'll tell you. Uh, As a kid I used to go into my bedroom, kneel down, put my hands up like this because it was the way I thought God heard me pray. 
Um, and Susie, Susie goes off in the middle of the night. She never ever says I'm going off to pray, but she goes quite on a regular basis. I always think the second coming's come and Jesus left me behind it. But it's true, she's always gone somewhere praying, you know. Um, but, but I pray in the shower, uh, in the car. I, I talk to God. Praying is really just talking to God. Did you know that? And when you talk to God, you will find that God will answer you and talk back to you. I can go to a conference and there may be a thousand people there and I might think I don't know anybody at that conference. I can walk in, look around, don't see anybody I know. And then all of a sudden I can hear somebody's voice from behind me and they might say, Greg Bedell, is that you? And it might have been 10 or 15 years. But let me tell you, if I've known that person, I recognise the person's voice. One of the things we have to recognise is whose voice is talking to us. We have to be able to discern um, the spirits. I want to say this, and I want to say this quite strongly. If you want to hear the voice of the Lord, the most important way to do that is through the written word of God. A lot of people, they don't want to get into the word, but they want to hear God's voice. And, and a lot of people, they will talk to God. They don't talk to God much, but, but they will talk to God when they have a problem. Uh, they will talk to God uh, on healing. We, we, we talk... To the Lord all the time about healing, don't we, sir? And, and that cancer book, every time we meet somebody personally with cancer, we just give them a book. Now, I've got more books than you. But, but that's what we do because we're in the ministry. We want to minister to people who need the Word of God. But I will minister to God all day, throughout the day, wherever I am. A lot of people, they want to talk to God when they've got a money problem. You're missing an opportunity to, or an ability to, to buy something and, and you need money. And their prayer is something like this. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. <laughs> God wants to provide your every need. If you don't obey his written word, you will not obey his spoken word. Don't try and change God around to push God so that you will get what you want because it's all in the word. And God's spoken word will never contradict his written word. Don't go try to find another way around the bend or through uh, the window. Uh, let me read you a scripture here because let me tell you it's important to know God. And more, the more you read the word, the more you know God, because his word is God, really. Uh, let me read the scripture to you. It's found in the book of John, chapter 8, verses 30 to 32. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word. So you've got to abide in his word. It, sometimes the word of God abides up on the shelf at home or in the bookcase. But the word of God's got to abide in you. It says... You abide in my word, and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Some people, uh, people all the time quote to me, yeah, but the Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, or the truth will set you free. It will only set you free when you know it. Because when you know it, then you act upon it. And it, 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 it doesn't really, you don't need a thunderbolt from God because you're fitting into the mechanisms of God's word. It's automatically going to work every time. Are you with me on that? It's really according to 
our, the way we live. Now, I, I wrote a book on hearing the voice of the Lord, and I've got something like about eight to ten uh, areas in it. On We, we, we can have um, uh, a, a, angelic visitations, and um, we can get prophecies, and uh, all this kind of stuff. But, but I only want to concentrate on a few things this morning that... Uh, because they won't let me preach all day, okay? That's just, that's just the way Tony is, really. He says, you've only got three hours on Sunday morning. So what I want to do is I want to concentrate on a few particular areas that has affected me or, or has moved me uh, to hearing the voice of the Lord. And, and the first thing I want to sh- share with you is the inner witness. The inner witness. Let me just read a scripture to you here because the inner witness and the word of God are like Siamese twins. They always go together, always together. And it says here in the book of Luke chapter 5 verse 22, but when Jesus, I've got to look at the, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? God wants to speak to us about things to come or things that are important to you. He wants to bless you in your financial realm, in your friendship realm, and in your business and family. But I will tell you now, the devil is going to send along some of his work buddies to interrupt your movement in the things of God. And what you've got to do, you've got to have a witness in your spirit. Your spirit has to bear witness with God's spirit when someone comes into your life. There have been a lot of people that have been, can I say this word, duped? Is that a good word? Uh, The word duped, people come along to dupe you or to rip you off. Anybody ever been ripped off in life? Can I just see your hands? Come on, come on. Of course, most people. If you haven't been ripped off by the time you're 30, you've missed out on something in life. (laughs) But God wants you to know in business that even though this contract looks like a really good deal, even though they've promised you lots and lots of money, even though they said you're gonna get like 50% a year back on your money, And in the mental brain, it looks really good, but in the spirit and in the heart, God says, no. You've got to follow the witnessing of the Holy Ghost. Some years ago, and most of you know some of my testimony, I have really no schooling education. Uh, I, I don't know anything about universities or this sort of stuff. And we came home from Papua New Guinea and Susie said, well, because in New Guinea we didn't get paid for four years, did we, Sue? Or for for the first two years, sorry. And and we're coming home and Susie says, honey, we've got two kids now and there's me. and, And let me tell you the truth, in the four years I was in New Guinea, I never ever bought a new shirt or pair of shoes or pair of trousers or pair of shorts. Never, never had any money. I came home with the same clothes that, uh, back to that I left to go to Papua New Guinea. And Susie says to me, because you've got to understand, she's a woman. 
you know. Her ministry is she wants to shop till she drops. So she says to me, honey, um, what are we going to do uh, when we come home? And I said, we're going to go into business. One of the businesses we started was a business without any education. It was an educational supply company to the schools in Australia. I forget how old I was at the time, but let me tell you, I never read a book till I was 26, except the Bible. So I said, honey, we're going to go into an educational supply company with the government schools and so forth, uh, private schools. And uh, she says, do you know what you're doing? I says, I've asked God to help me. And on the first day, I went down to this huge company. I mean, their building would have been probably three times as large as this auditorium. And they had books all around every wall. They had pallets of books going up, three pallets high. Uh, I've never seen so many books in all of my life from that day to this. And I came in and the manager came out because I was a new client and he shook me by the hand. He says, hi, he says, I'm the, the manager of the company and well, what are you doing here today? I says, well, we've just started a new book supply company for schools and I've come to see what you've got. He says, and have you been in this business before? No, never. He says, we only take cash. He didn't trust me. And then he said to me, you know you're going to fail. I've been told I was going to fail a dozen times in life, but guess what? With God on my side, I don't fail. I'm not a failure. I'm the head and not, uh, uh, and not the tail. You know what I mean? And so anyway, he said, well, you, you can have a little look around and I'll sit in my office over here and uh, when you want something, come and talk to me. But remember, we only take cash. So I went around and I said, God, you've got to help me. I don't even know what's here. Now, let me explain something. When I was doing this business in Western Australia, do we have any teachers here today? Got a teacher over here? Okay. In, in Western Australia, we have a department in the education department in the government. It's called library services. And what they do, they put out a curriculum for all the schools across the state. Once they decide on a curriculum, then they need to uh, give the schools an upfront idea on what they can buy to teach the kids. And so uh, they decide on what's going to be taught and they decide on what books should be read. And I knew nothing of this at this stage. I didn't learn this for about another year. And so I'm walking around and I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm there. I said, God help me. And as I looked over to my right-hand side, there was two books side by side going all the way up, really high, and, and there was like a glow on them. Now, remember, I need to have inner witnesses. I need to receive something from God. I've asked God. The, the Bible says, ask and you will receive, you know. And so I said, God, what, what, what do I need to buy here? And these two lines of books just glowed. It was just like the sun coming down on them, the rays of the sun. And I said, is that what you want me to buy, Lord? He said, yes. So I went up and I said to the manager, I said, um, just tell me, I said, you've got all these books over here. I said, uh, these two books here, tell me, do you think they're going to sell? He said, no way on God's earth. He says, I've had them sitting there for about eight years. He said, and then he told me a little bit about how things work. And, and I said to that man, if they've been sitting there for all those years and they're covered in dust, do you think that you could sell them to me at a reduced price? He said, yeah, normally 20 bucks, they'll give them to me for a dollar each. So I bought every one of them. 
I put them in my van, I took them back to my place. Susie and I sat up all night and we got all the dust off them and the next morning I put them in some boxes and I went to the first school and the lady at the first school in the library, she said, what have you got? And I showed her and I thought she wanted to kiss me. <laughs> so I'm back off, lady. No, I said, do you like these books? She said, yes. We just got a letter, all the schools in Western Australia just got a letter that these two books are now recommended reading by the library services for the subject we're teaching over the next 12 months. I took them home, I sold them for $20 each. See, God's interested in your... Susie will tell you, I bought other things, I bought 10000 uh, things for teaching and the company couldn't sell them, no one was selling them and we sold everyone, didn't we Sue? 10,000 items. Susie went out dress shopping. <laughs> Amen. The thing that I have been used in the most is the gift of the word of knowledge. What happened to me as a boy, I went along to camps, church camps. Every year, I was at the church camp. If your church has a camp for kids, make sure you sign them up straight away. Don't worry about what it's going to cost because it's going to cost you a lot, of, a lot if you don't send them along. They need to have a series of ministry education by different men of God. So I went along and uh, uh, it was good. I enjoyed camp and, and then we had this guy come along and he was moved by the Holy Ghost and probably used about three of the gifts of the Holy Ghost while we're at the camp, you know. And we, I thought that was pretty good. My mates thought that was pretty good. Uh, but then the following year there was a guy come along. He had five gifts operating and we're writing them all down. See, I'm only a boy, but we're writing down all the gifts they're using. And so then what happened was the next year, uh, a guy came along and he only had uh, two of the gifts. We thought, oh, he's a dud, you know. <laughs> You've got to move in the Holy Ghost. And, and what happened to me was I got excited over the gifts. You've got to get excited over the gifts that God gives you to use. And it's not just for you. It's for everybody in your range because you're ministering to other people. And I wanted the gift. I wanted the gift. Let me read a scripture to you in the Bible. It says in the first book of Corinthians, chapter 12 and verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. I mean, which are the best gifts? I couldn't figure that out. I'll tell you what, that when you meet somebody and they're dead, they're at the morgue or in the hospital, the best gift that you can use for that person is not the gift of prophecy. <laughs> you agree with that? Don't I want to use a prophecy? That's going to hit dead ears. The gift that is the best gift is the gift that's going to have the great um, response at the time. But I wanted the gift of the gift of the word of knowledge. It says, but covet earnestly the best gift and it shall, and yet shall I unto you a more excellent way. 
The word covet, in this sense, is a warm, strong desire. But just because I had a desire, it doesn't mean to say I was going to get it. I mean, sometimes there's a little bit of um, uh, a, a travelling on this thing. And, and I didn't wake up the following morning with the gift. And, and, and so I read another scripture. <laughs> let, me, let me read you the other scriptures. Ask and you shall receive. Is that complicated? Is that too thick for you? If you want something from God, ask him for it. So I asked him for it. And then guess what? Still didn't get anything. Still didn't get anything. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. I found that there was a, a line of things I had to do. And then I spoke to God again. And in the second book of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Therefore I remind you, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. It says, stir up the gift. I'd get up in the morning and clean my teeth and I'd be saying to myself, you have the gift of the, of the word of knowledge. I'd get dressed, I'd say, I've got the gift of the word of knowledge. I kept stirring it up, stirring it up, stirring it up. I just sort of didn't pack it up and put it in the drawer. I stirred it up day after day after day after day after day. And I think I learnt this stirring up. I, I, d, d, have you ever done a study on stirring up? If you haven't, read my book. Because I'll tell you, my grandmother was a good cook. And every time I went to grandma's house, as a boy growing up, she'd say, what would you like for dessert tonight? And I'd say, not lemon meringue, but meringue. I wanted a meringue. And my grandmother said, well, if you want a meringue, you're going to help me make the meringue. Now, back in the 1950s, it was a lot different for the ladies then to make a meringue than what it is now. Let me tell you about making a meringue. You guys don't have a clue, but your wives do, because you're not really good cooks, are you guys? So you are? Is he a good cook? Give him a kiss. I saw that kiss. When you make a meringue, you get eggs and you break the egg, you put it into a bowl, and then Grandma said, you can't break the yolk of the egg, you've got to get the yolk of the egg out and only leave the white. That's a little bit about Christian life. Sometimes you've got to get rid of the flesh. Are you with me on that? You can't build a strong ministry without getting rid of the flesh or the carnal man. So we got all the egg out, and Nana said, that's really good, you, you've separated that really good, you know. And she said, now I want you to stir it up. Today, I'll tell you how we stir it up. You girls, you will go and you will get one of these machines, and you go like this, it's got little things like this, and you put all, and you press the button, and you walk over here, and you're doing some toast, and you're cooking some chops, and you're doing all these things. You might even go read your Bible for a minute, and then you come back and you go, I wonder how that beta mix is going. No, no, another two minutes yet. That's right. Is that how you're cooking today? That's how we do it. My mother didn't do it that way. 
My mother had a, a um, egg beater. You know, egg beater. Yeah, it took a lot of um, extra work, egg beater. It took about three or four times as long with the egg beater. But my grandmother, she was in a generation before, she'd have an egg beater. My grandmother had a fork. And my grandmother would say to me, if you want some meringue, you're going to have to help. So she'd put me up on the bench, I'd sit there, she'd give me a fork, and I would start beating it. And she'd say, beat it, beat it, quick, come on, more. Harder, 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 harder. And I'd be doing it for like half an hour. And then finally, I couldn't do it anymore. My right arm felt like it was going to fall off. And I'd say, Nana, Nana, I can't do it anymore. She said, that's all right, uh, just change over to left-hand drive. You don't give up on your gifts. You've got to stir up that gift that is within you. I am telling people constantly, and you probably don't know this, but you don't travel as much as us, but we go to a lot of Pentecostal churches and there is no moving of the Holy Spirit in those churches anymore. Am I telling the truth? They're not there. Now, one of the reasons is sometimes we go to a church and they have it, and, and the church service goes for two hours, and then they have the song service, and, and then they have the gifts, and there's about 14 of those, and then they have another 15 testimonies, and then a lady gets up and sings, and then the pastor says, we've got five minutes before we're out, and one time that happened to me, and I flew from Brisbane all the way to Perth and back. And I spoke for 15 minutes. wasn't very economical. So that's a problem. And so a lot of churches, they don't want people getting up and taking a long time to say nothing. But this is what I'm telling people. God didn't give you certain gifts so that you could use them for five minutes on Sunday morning when you come to church. God gives you gifts of the Spirit so that you can use them 24 hours a day out there in the field. Does that make sense to you? You don't get up in the morning and say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I've got a word of God. I've got a word of knowledge for church on Sunday morning, and it's already Monday, so I'll have to wait for another week to be able to give it. I hope somebody gives me an opportunity. Now, let me tell you, you need a word of knowledge for the lady next door. You need a word of knowledge for somebody within your vicinity, at work. So what happened to me was, I asked and I stirred and I asked and I stirred and I got this covetous, godly thing for this gift. And I used to hitchhike as a boy when I went to work. I was only like uh, a middle teen. I started work as a carpenter when I was 15. And, and one day I was walking along this road. It's called, it was called Roberts Road in uh, Greenacre, Sydney. And I'm hitchhiking and this car pulled up. He was a butcher going off to the abattoirs to get his meat for the day. And I hopped in. And he said, hi, hop on, mate, and uh, uh, what's your name? I said, my name's Greg. I said, uh, but you're, uh, you're, you're Robert's dad, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, and, and your son's been in a bit of trouble lately? Yeah. He was arrested by the police? Yeah. I didn't even know the man. I didn't even know Robert. Didn't have a clue. And then I witnessed to that man in the car. And when I got out of that car, my heart was thumping. God had used me in the gift of the word of knowledge to help and direct that man. 
The next day I'm walking up to hitchhiking and I said, who are you sending this day? Who are you sending today, God? <laughs> Got in the car and the man said, G'day, what's your name? I said, my name's Greg. I said, are you the man whose wife has cancer? He said, yeah. I said, her name's Barbara, isn't it? He said, yeah. I said, I've heard of Barbara from Jesus. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> but then I went on to healing, how God can heal her. And because of that, that gift grew and grew and grew and grew. And it wasn't happening on Sunday morning. It was happening on Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning. God's not going to, if you go for the election, to make you prime minister when you've never even been in politics. You've got to start off and you've got to grow and you've got to grow and you've got to grow. I tell people, don't leave home without your gift. You would never leave home without your purse, would you girls? My wife would never leave home without a credit card. In fact, let me tell you a little story about my wife. I have two credit cards. It's an ANZ card and an Amex card, and the other day, uh, my Amex card, my, my, my Visa card with ANZ uh, had run out, and they sent me a new one. So Susie came in, being a little bit bossy, you know, she says, come on, Greg, sign this on the back of the card, sign it on the back of the card, and so I signed it, and she grabbed my card, and she grabbed my wallet, and she put the card in my wallet with my old ANZ card. Then she said, oh, we've got to destroy the old card. So she opened up the the, the wallet, and she cut up my Amex card, which was a good one. Mm. She thought she was being led by the Lord, but she wasn't. Some people come to me and they say, Pastor Greg, after church, you'll put a few people off soon, they come to me and they say, Pastor Greg, can we see you please? I say, okay. They say to me, do you have a word from the Lord for me? And I've got to be honest, you know, I'm not backward and coming forward. I've always got a word for the Lord from them. Do you know why I have a word for the Lord for everybody? Because I'm so spiritual. <laughs> it's always the same word though. You know what I say? Go home and read your Bible. I had a man one time in this area. He said, Pastor Greg, do you have a word from the Lord for me? I said, what have you done? Oh, he said, I got mad with my friend the other week and I burned his house down. He says, but I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get a fine. I know it's naughty, but I don't want to get punished. He said, do you have a word for me? I said, yes, I do. He said, what is it? I said, do the crime, pay the fine. <laughs> you don't really need a word for that, do you? God's given us common sense. The problem is, common sense isn't that common anymore. Don't leave home without your gift. Your gift is vital for the aid and help of everybody else in the world out there. So one time I'm swimming in my pool in Darwin. In Darwin you need a pool because here you have summer, winter, autumn, spring up there, we have hot, stinking hot, sweaty hot, and unbearably hot. 
and Susie wanted a pool. So I got the pool and then one afternoon I went for a little swim and back in those days I didn't, we didn't have mobile, or we did but they were this big. Um, <laughs> but we, remember those, we, we had a hands-free phone and, and I took it out and I put it next to me at the pool because God can talk to you at the most inconvenient times. God talks to me when I'm having a shower and he'll say, write this down. I got a thing in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, and I said to Susie, I gotta write this down when I get to my office. But God will talk to me in the shower, and I said to Susie, honey, hand me one of your lippy sticks, and I'm writing on the tiles in the glass, you know? You need to write things down when God speaks to you. But I'm in the pool, and the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord said, ring up Danny, and tell Danny, if a beautiful young lady comes knocking on his door and says to you, I need you to pray for me, you're the only one that can help me, Danny don't go. So I ring up this guy called Danny, he was one of our young men in our church and I told him exactly what I was given and uh, he said to me, Pastor Greg can I ring you or talk to you uh, later, I've got something happening at the moment. I said, yes, hung up the phone, kept it. I didn't worry because I'd given the message. So then the next day, Danny knocks on my door. He says, Pastor Greg, he said, uh, can I ask you, why did you say that to me? I said, I said that to you because God told me to say that to you. He said, do you know why he said that to you? I said, no, none of my business. And I said, what's happening, Danny? He said, well, when my phone rang, I went up to the phone, which is right next to my window at my kitchen, and as it's ringing, I'm picking up the phone, I'm looking at this beautiful lady walking down my driveway. And you say, if a beautiful young lady comes to your unit, and she's come to the unit, and then you said, <clears throat> if she knocks on the door, and he says, I'm hearing this knock, 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 and then you said, if she says, and that's exactly what she said. <laughs> Don't go with her, Danny, it's dangerous. Hello? You may save someone's life having a word of knowledge in the pool. You don't decide when God talks to you. God decides when you he talks to you. And your only decision is to listen and obey. So he says, and what you told me she would say, she said that. But the last thing I said to him on the phone was, Danny, she will ask you to go somewhere private like to the beach and she wants to seduce you, Danny. He said she's asked me if we could go to a secluded beach and talk. You need to be there for the Lord we are his ministers. We have the ministry of reconciliation. So we saved that young man's life. Then we had a situation, and I should have asked before, what time do I stop? So that it's 9.40 now? Could you throw that at me when I'm finished? So I've got about another 20 minutes, do I? 
Is that all right? That's another 20 minutes something? Okay. You'll let me know. Thank you, darling. I have a word of knowledge now. Susie's going to tell me off when I go home for saying that. <laughs> I had another situation. There was a man who used to always have a go at me. He was an atheist. Did you know there's no atheists in hell? They're all believers now. This man was an atheist. And every time there was a city function and I was there, I don't know what he was, but he was there too. And he'd hustle up beside me and he'd say, hey, preacher, you believe in God? I said, yep, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And this went on for quite a number of years until finally one day I get a phone call and it's him on the phone. And he says to me, is that Pastor Greg Bedell? I said, yes, it is. He says, well, I want you to know um, I've uh, ripped you and got into you over the years, but now I believe there's a God. Now I want to give my heart to God, receive Jesus as my own personal saviour, and to live for him for the rest of my life. He said, can you pray with me through to the kingdom? And now I could have turned around and said three things. Let me come to your home. You come to my home. Or we'll meet you at the church office. And God says, don't go to those three places. And I said, just very quickly, where do I invite him? And the Lord said to me, there's a problem invite him to a coffee shop. Now, could you imagine, most people would think, this is great, I'm going to lead the local atheist to the Lord. But not everything is true when people talk to you. And I said, well, let's go, I'll meet you at this coffee shop. I wasn't intending to get that man on his knees in the coffee shop. Could you imagine what that looked like in the middle of, you know, one of your coffee houses today? Honey, could you get me a drink, Don? Susie got a bottle half open here. Thank you. Thank you. So we got to the coffee shop and he began to tell me everything that was happening that was good. And all I did was listen. When you're a counsellor, you do more listening than speaking. Then he said to me, and not only... And do I want to serve the Lord on my life? I want to be in the ministry. And I know God wants me to have a Christian wife. And God's already told me who she is. He was about what, Sue? 38, 40 something. He never told me the girl's name. Never once. And I stood up in that coffee shop. And I said to that man, I said, you leave and I named her surname and Christian name. She was one of the young girls, six, 17, I think, maybe 18. She's older, she's 18. 18. I said, you leave so-and-so and so-and-so alone. God told me right there. He nearly fell off his chair. I said, you are a filthy-minded deviant. I left the coffee shop. I went back to our home. I picked up the telephone. 
and I began to ring the place where she was. She lived with her mum and dad out of town. And mum and dad answered the phone and I said, can I speak to, we'll, we'll call her. Her name was, I knew dad, I wasn't going to tell him. It was a secret until now. So I said, she's in trouble on the way home. So I said to mum and dad, uh, can I talk to Caroline? They said, no. She came home last night from university, went to a room, we haven't seen her at all. She's in a room and she won't stop weeping. I said, well, I know why she's weeping. They said, well, we don't. She hasn't told us a thing. She's locked her door. So I said, you go tell Caroline that Pastor Greg's on the phone and I know everything that's happened. So she came out and she said, Pastor Greg, she says, I've never met this man. She said, I came out of university last night. I walked through the car park to my car and this man grabbed me. He's wanting to kiss me, put his arms around me. He's telling me that I love you. I want to marry you. And she says, I got out of his arms. I got in the car and I drove home. She says, I've been petrified ever since. God needs people like you and me to protect those people that are innocent. And if you're interested in helping people, God's going to say, that's my man. Well, what if you haven't been through Bible school? God's going to say, that's my man. What if you've only been born again for a week? God's going to say, you're the man. What you need to have is a willing heart. You need to turn around and say, God, I am your servant. Some people turn around and they say to me, well, Pastor Greg, I've been in the Lord's service for many years. I said, what do you do? I'm a deacon. Well, that's good to be a deacon. But there's another world out there he wants to use you to, to serve in. You know what I mean? I had one man, and this is just getting into prophecy, but I, I just, because you see, with prophecy, there's a lot of wonky prophets. Did you know that? They call them false prophets in the Bible. Prophecy only lines up with the Word of God. It doesn't disjoint everything. And I had this one man come to me one time, and he said, Pastor Greg, he says, I'm going to Africa as a missionary. And I'm telling you, that, that sort of gave my uh, spirit a little bit of a shock. But I don't turn around and say, no, he didn't. I just think, hmm, Lord, what are you telling me? So I said to the man, I said, how do you know you're going to Africa as a missionary? He said, because I had a prophet speak it over me. Mm -mm. So you know what I said to him? Are you taking the prophet with you to Africa? And he said... Why? I said, so as he can tell you when to come home again. <laughs> Isn't God a good God? <clears throat> we never have to be in the dark because God brings us into the light. And it's, what we have, it's like we have a knowing that we know that we know that we know. When God gives you a word, that's, you're, not, you're not standing up the front or in front of people to sort of um, show them how good you are. You don't even have to say at the end, for the Lord thy God would say unto you at the beginning, and thus saith the Lord at the end. You can just say, 
Can I just share something with you? Just your you, you natural people living in the nation of Australia, be, be who God wants you to be. The word of knowledge is imperative for our survival, for every part, for your business, for your ministry, for your finances. If you follow the things of God, guess what? You're not going to be ever disappointed. I was asked to go to a church one time and lead praise and worship. I thought the guy had problems asking me because I got a voice like a piece of raspy metal. And I got up and I led praise and worship. I never missed a beat. I thought that was a miracle. <laughs> but in the middle of leading praise and worship, the Lord spoke to me. And I looked up the back and there's a young boy who's about oh, 12, maybe 13. And I said, excuse me, son. The Lord has just told me, do not run away from home. Go home, pull your suitcase out from, or your bag out from under the bed, unpack it and put your clothes back in your cupboard because your mother's not going to be happy with you running away from home. And then I led another song and then the service finished and this boy went along and said to some of the people, who is that man? I've never met him and I've never met the boy before. First time ever in that church. But about 10 years later, I was at what they called the Rhema Family Church in Perth. And I went there to minister and I heard this lady behind me say, excuse me, are you Pastor Greg Bedell? I said, yes, I am. She said, I want to thank you for what you did. I didn't even know who she was. I said, ma'am, what did I do? I thought I was in trouble again. No. I said, tell me, what did I do? She said, you gave a word of knowledge in this little church some 10, 11 years ago. And she said, my son went home and unpacked his bags. It was a long weekend, I was away. He's still living for the Lord today. So I never knew why I said that. I just said what the Lord said. But to finish with, let me just share something with you. Susie and I were going to bed one night. It was quite late. And um, uh, a man, uh, two, three, <laughs> a man was, um, came to my heart and, and his wife had just had a baby and the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, this, do I have to name his name? Dean? <laughs> Dean. The Lord said, Dean is going to kill, wants to kill his son tonight. I knew the mum, I knew the dad, but I didn't know the baby. The baby was only two days, maybe three days old, came back from the hospital that night. Um, uh, I interceded with Susie and I actually called Colin Jan String at the same time, intercede. And uh, so what happened was the next day, um, I uh, uh, got in the car and I drove to this man's house and I walked up the stairs on the third floor apartment. I knocked on the door and I, the wife came to the door and she said, Pastor Greg, have you come to see my new little baby? I said, I'd love to see your baby, but I've actually come to see your husband. She called the husband down. I said, Dean, I said, I've got a word for you. I said, last night 
um, you were going to kill your son. And the wife said, Pastor Greg, how dare you say this about my husband? I love my husband. And the dean turned around and said, uh, be quiet. Greg Bedell's got a word from the Lord last night. I took our son out on the balcony while you were having a shower. I don't want to have a child. I've never wanted a child. It's all your fault we've had a child. And I was going to drop him off the balcony and kill him, but something stopped me. You guess what stopped? Intercession. Intercession. Can I just in, 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 in put in here, I don't drink. I don't judge people for drinking alcohol. I don't drink alcohol because I'm on duty 24 hours a day and I can't get a word of knowledge and God says to me, intercede, and I think God says, go to the fridge and get some aniseed needed. <laughs> I've got to be pretty clear. So they broke up. He went his way, she went her way. But about, what, five years later, I received an order to fly across to Perth from Queensland. What do you call those things? A subpoena to be a witness in the court to give a word of knowledge. I don't know anybody else in Australia that's ever been subpoenaed to give a word of knowledge. So I went, they called me up to the, you know, where you sit down and and they brought a Bible over and they put the Bible in my hand and they said, put your hand on top and do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and not the truth to help your God? I said, yes, I do. So then he turned around, the lawyer came up and said, how dare you come to this court with all your lies and try and trick this, you know, judge and the people here about some weird notion that you've got a message from God. I said to him, well, sir, can I have that Bible back, please? So he got the Bible and gave it to me. I said, why do you have me swear on the Bible? Why don't you have me use it in Encyclopedia Britannica? Why don't you have me uh, uh, do a dictionary or a cookbook or a roadmap? Why the Bible? He said, because this country believes in the authenticity of the Word of God. I said, good, let me read you some. And I opened up the Bible and I read that God gives man gifts and one of them is a gift of the word of knowledge and we won the case. Wow. Won the case for a gift of the word of knowledge. Isn't God a good God? God wants to use you. I want to pray and then I want to show you a couple of things quickly. But just um, if, you, if you want to be moved uh, through the gifts of the Spirit out there in the world in particular, all right, to minister and bring people to the Lord and help them in their areas of life. Put your hand up now. I want to pray for you all together. Father, right now, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful power that you've given us through the Holy Ghost, that we can be used of you in all the little nooks and crannies around this nation and the world. Lord, I pray that a real unction of the Holy Ghost will come upon your folk, not just in this church, but around the world. Lord, that you will use them and bless them, and Lord, that people will be blessed because of what comes out of their mouth and out of their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au. 